The following is presented to you in a round sound. It was recorded with whatever was lying around. Lady, don't take no shit. Insist on respect the sister. Walk around like a woman. She won't speak less of something worse. Singing, don't play. The girl take herself so serious. People stare curious. She's got a natural way. Her hips sway furious. Yeah, the luxurious. Hey, this is Lady Don't Take No, your weekly roundup of all of the real and none of the fake. I'm your host, Alicia Garza. This show is pro-black, pro-queer, proudly feminist, and pro-do-what-you-like. Every week, you're going to get the best of what goes on in my head, what we loving on and what we hating on, what we might be and what we ain't going to do. Politics? pop culture, post-Valentine's Day ruminations, we cover it all. This podcast is based in Oakland, California, for now, the center of the known universe, where we are dealing with Rona and reconstruction. It's a challenging time, a changing time, a time of transformation. It's all the things all the time nowadays, but we are going to help you understand the dynamics of this time every single week. So be sure to tune in, tell a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We do it for the culture, so the pod is free 99, because we know that with a country in chaos, the least we could do is keep you from putting your money anywhere else than where it's needed. Our guest this week is the founder of Well-Read Black Girl, a book club and online community that celebrates the uniqueness of Black literature and sisterhood. She has published two critically acclaimed anthologies, Well-Read Black Girl, Finding Our Stories, Discovering Ourselves, which came out in 2018, and On Girlhood, which came out in 2021. And she has a new podcast called Well-Read Black Girl, which features deep conversations with female authors of color like Tarana Burke, Anita Hill, and who knows, maybe I'll be on there one day. Please welcome to the pod, Glory Edom. Hey, Glory, how you doing? Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you. You just don't even know. First of all, reading is one of my favorite things to do of all time. Fun fact about me, when I was a little wee one, um, I would go missing in the house. My mom would be calling me, looking for me. You know where I was? Sitting on the toilet in the bathroom reading books. (laughs) From a very young age. So I am super stoked to have you on here and super stoked to talk all about Well-Read Black Girl and everything else that you're up to. But first, let's start off. Who knows? I I feel like the common wisdom is that we are still in a pandemic. People are saying maybe it's an endemic. It's just something that's going to go on forever. All I know is I'm still wrapping it up and backing it up despite what other people are doing in the country. So I've got to ask you, what has your pandemic life been like? Have you developed any unique habits live and direct from Miss Rona? Oh my goodness. Because of the pandemic, I have changed 
my my whole life entirely. I've become even more insular and quiet and meditative. I don't consider myself one of those people like, you know, sitting down, doing their namastes all the time. I'm really more of a like, let's go, go, go. But this has allowed me to be like, sit down. I'm in a like, sit down, rest and be restorative period. Mm. And I'd like to think of it as my own way of hibernating and really being like quiet, which is hard for me. Like I love to like talk and be like, I just love to be with people all the time. And this now we're like, we're on Zoom and we're doing all these like virtual things. And that's the way people are building community now. And I much rather like be in your face, holding your hand, giving you a hug. So like, we can't do that. Like that, that is just like the danger zone. So Mm -hmm. I've just been like, my new life is like being quiet, being still. And I'm also a new mom right now. Um, so my son takes up so much of my time. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. He is one and he is like nonstop. So we're just (laughs) in in the house and I'm trying, I'm trying to get him to meditate. I'm like, Uh are you, are you ready to sit down with mommy? Like sit down. Are there any new skills that Miss Rona has given you? I mean, when we started all this pandemic stuff, people were baking their own bread and planting gardens, doing their own manicures. And now that it feels like we're maybe a quarter of the way into the apocalypse, I just got to get the scoop on what your pandemic skills are in case it really hits the fan. I just got to know what you bring into the table. <laughs> well, if you want to do watercolors during yes. <laughs> with me, yes. uh, I'm all for it. I've been perfecting my watercolors and I've been actually, I'm not a plant person. I love them. I adore them. They do not live in my presence. <laughs> I, I, so I can't claim that as a skill. And I wasn't breaking bread or anything like that. I was like still ordering food online. <laughs> so, so, but I found it really relaxing to just like pull out paint and just kind of play with it. I did, it's something that I did lightly in college. And I was just like, what is it? You know, let me like get back into that. So I started painting mm. again and it's been so relaxing and just like, it's like fun to go on uh, the YouTube and try to figure out like what watercolor class I could take and like buying like really expensive brushes for no reason. So, yes. so I've been doing that and it's really brought me a lot of peace and just like, it's just fun to just have something that like, I know I'm not going to be an expert at this ever, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's just fun to do and practice something. And like, it just allows me to feel a little bit freer. That makes, you know, when you're doing something and you have no intention to monetize or yes. make it a hustle, you can just, yes. it's like, I'm relaxing with when I do this and I just feel more creative and free. I love this. And are we doing landscapes? Are we doing objects? Are we doing a little bit of both? A little bit of both. It, it usually I'll like I like to do still like I like I like to paint fruit. Yes, <laughs> like like, like I like yeah. to like make a little setting on the table uh-huh. and um yeah sometimes I do like stare out my window and try to like you know do this scene but it's it's not very it's not like I have a lake or something in front of me so <laughs> it's just like it's like usually just something in my house or I like I do like to do I have this beautiful orchid that. Um, like sometimes I'll try to do that. That's like the one yeah. thing I've been able to keep alive. I take nice. that back. That's like, let's, it's, can you see it? It's <laughs> Oh, it's right gorgeous. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? Oh, yes. <laughs> I love, I love. You know, I feel like the key to orchids is just leave them alone. 
leave them alone. Yes. Literally it's leave like them alone. succulents and orchids. <laughs> like I'm like, okay, I got that. So sometimes, you know, I'll try to, you know, I'll paint. Her name is Ruby. I'll try to paint Ruby. Hey, Ruby. Okay. I love this. I just want to like dive in. We've heard of book clubs before, but book clubs for well-read Black girls? I mean, we stand, we stand, we stand. Tell me about how you first got the idea to start this book club and what is your secret to success? Ah, that's such a great question. Um, this was something that was started really organically because I just had this idea and I wanted to bring Black women together. I wanted us to be in community and talk about things we love. And to be quite honest, I was like looking for friends. I was Mm -hmm. new to New York at the time. I didn't know a lot of people in Brooklyn. And I happened to be wearing this shirt that said, well, we're a Black girl. And that like just opened a world up for me where a Black woman would approach me on the A train in Brooklyn and say like, like, where'd you get that shirt from? And what are you reading? And we would get into these like in-depth conversations about Gloria Naylor or Sadia Hartman or just like Toni Morrison, like all these things started coming. And the people that I would say were like book club friends became like lifelong friends. And we have built this amazing friendship through the book club, but it's expanded into this whole universe. So now we have the festival. Now we have the podcast. Now I've like, I've written books around it. And I always give so much credit to the community because there's no way I could have started this work or even gotten this far without their trust and love and support. And it, it is very reciprocal. Like we are exchanging ideas and we're building something that isn't, um, It doesn't feel quantifiable sometimes because it's just about like really loving on each other and like being honest about like the things that we want to share. And it's the books are just like the beginning of so much more. Like we when we're reading something about activism or we're reading something about just like, you know, how we show up in the world, you know, it's just it's it's always just like the books, the beginning of like so much more building and loving each other. Mm-hmm. So I, I I always say that like, I could have never ever predicted just the outcome of this. And I stand on the shoulders of like my ancestors, like it's the love that already exists when it comes to us reading together and being, um, just being together. Like something just mm-hmm. magic happens when black women congregate, whether we want to talk about a book or a film or any kind of work of art, when we are together, something magical happens. And I like I really attribute the magic of of our womanhood to this to our to this success. I say our because I feel like everyone is part of it. Like I don't feel alone in it. Um, You're right. There is something very powerful about what happens when black women gather with a purpose. Tell the listeners for Lady Don't Take No how the book club works, right? Especially in the age of the Rona, which I am assuming lots had to change, right? Our whole lives have become different. And everywhere we gathered in person, now we're sort of kind of gathering in person, but for a long time we weren't. So how is it working now? How do you select the books for the book club? And how can Black women and girls who are listening right now join said book club? Yes, 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 yes. So because of Rona, everything now is online. Previously, we would meet once a month at a either at like a community space or at um, there was this amazing space in Brooklyn called New Women's Space. Shout out to them. They just were such a beautiful host for us. But we used to meet in person once a month and like a, you know, like a normal book club. Yeah. <laughs> and the special thing about it was we would always have the author join us. So we would invite her 
or they to come and they would talk to us about the their book, the process. We would we have food. We would have like a whole like gathering. And that has changed because of the pandemic. So now we do everything online. We still have the book club once a month and we have it over Zoom. Last month we read um, Bell Hooks together. We did All About Love mm-hmm. and we also read Communion. And we found a way to not only read her books, but also have a vision board party. So we did like this online vision board party and it was over like a hundred people participated. So the first half we talked about our vision board and our goals. And then we used the work of Bell Hooks to kind of guide our process about what we wanted to envision and see in the future. And it was just a great, great way to start the year and also pay tribute to Hooks who has been so influential to so many of us. Um, So sign up for the newsletter, follow us on Instagram. And once that newsletter goes out and we have the date, like sign up for the Zoom. Every once in a while, I try to also bring it onto IG Live and have a conversation with the author as well. Mm -hmm. And that is like always like the best time because again, people can participate. The magic of the book club is the participation. So you can engage directly with the author, really show them love, ask them questions. And we, we really encourage there to be just like a critical conversation and discourse around the ideas that we're discussing. And so there's no like, okay, you know, if you dislike the book or you have like a a pressing issue, like we're like, we want you to ask, but Mm -hmm. the goal is to be, you know, respectful, respect boundaries and come together with a sense of love. Um, So we do that. And it's definitely been times where books have been like really tense and people go back and forth. But I I, like love that space where we can be honest with one another and not everyone's going to like everything, Um, which brings me to the book club selection. When we were in person, we would like vote and we would kind of, you know, circulate things. Mm -hmm. Um, But now it's a little bit harder to do that online. So I kind of become like like I usually have like a top three and I talk to other team members and we kind of go back and forth. My love usually sits with nonfiction and with um, memoir and contemporary fiction. So I have to, like, I need to like rely on my team because they're going to like, here's a poetry book. Here's some romance. Here's something funny. Like there was one year they were like, glory, if we read another memoir, like back to back, like they were like, they were like, you're doing too much right now. They're like, can we like, can we read something humorous? Can we get a mystery? So my team definitely does balance me out. So it's not just me, you know memoir or like the same subjects or the same kind of vibe back to back. And it's so hard because there's so many good books. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many good books and I can only do 12. Really, we probably do 10 a year because like we like to take a break in August and December Mm -hmm. because of the holidays. So it's really hard to narrow it down. It's like, and then we recently started doing YA books too. So we'd have like an adult pick and a YA pick. We did a wonderful partnership with the Sadie Nash Project over the summer where we worked with the teens. Like they are so dope. And like the girls were so, I mean, they were incredible. The questions they were asking and like we, we ended up reading, um, Blackout. Yeah. The authors came and like, you know, talked to them. They were just, they were just so, so amazing. Like just talking to young people. I'm always like, oh my gosh, y'all are so cool. <laughs> like, can you be my friend? Right. I know I'm about to be 40, but come on, like us hang. Hey. So yeah. So it's it's really a team effort selecting the book, making sure that we're just engaging with the community, like through virtual reality. Like, I wish I could do like a book club view, like uh, what is it? Yeah, I got you with the glasses. Yes, yes, yes. That would be dope. So, so we could connect more, but 
it's always so it's I love reading and it's wild that this is like my like job, my profession now, because it's just like, I, I feel you. Like, I feel like I'm still like hiding in the bathroom or hiding in the library. <laughs> like, I'm like, I can do this for like a living. People pay me, you know, it just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And, and I love just seeing debut writers, like mm-hmm. someone who's written their first book and like the energy they have and just yeah. like. When you have a new book, you know what it is. Like when you have a new book, you you need that extra support and that like, you got this. You got this. What does Issa say? I'm rooting for everybody black. Like I'm rooting for all the black authors, (laughs) all the black artists. Like, let's go. So look, prior to starting the book club and the online community, um, you worked as a creative strategist for over 10 years. And, I, you know, it made me wonder, like, given your experience and your focus now on bringing Black women and girls together to interface with authors of color, what is it that folks get wrong creatively about engaging and talking to Black women and girls? And what is it that folks get right? Mm, that's a great question. I think when we look at some of these initiatives or like D. EI like programs or campaigns, I think sometimes the the wording or their approach is to behave as if like blackness is some kind of hindrance. Like it's a problem that needs to be fixed. <laughs> and, you know, and like as if, you know, adopting white mannerisms or d- being a certain kind of way, I mean, you know, do, using like air quotes is what is needed to, to like actually persuade, you know, people of color and black people to participate. And it's like, no, no one wants to like copy the mainstream. Like people just want to be themselves and right. you want to like market and build campaigns so people can see themselves like accurately reflected and not these like flat stereotypes or um, characters, you know what I mean? And I, when I go into places and I see that you're just like, you're not being original, you're not really like speaking to the community, like you're speaking over them or you're trying to just like force an idea upon people. Like that's not, that's not being collaborative. That's not building community. You're just like, you have an idea and you're trying to throw it against, uh, it's like against the wall, you know, mm-hmm. like you're not, I, I prefer to go into spaces and really collaborate. Like, let's talk, let's have focus groups. Let's like, let's see what you're interested in, you know, like let's really have a meaningful relationship before we do any kind of marketing campaign, before we put out like a million Facebook ads and Instagram, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. It's like, don't start there. Like really start in a really grassroots kind of way and understand the, understand the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that if you do that and you're really authentic and you get input from people, that is what makes something like really phenomenal and just amazing because you're invested and you have like real testimonials and you can like talk to people like and that's what people try to do a lot of times but they 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 fall flat because they're not really asking the right questions or they're not giving campaigns enough time. Sometimes like people need time to understand something or mm-hmm. process it. You know, know it's it. like it can't happen it. in 30 days. It needs to be like a longer time. Like you need time. And I think between time and like really talking to people in a sincere way, we would get better results mm-hmm. for whether it's like book sales or online, blah, blah, blah. It's like. Or voting. Really gets. Maybe. Or vo- or, hello. <laughs> I hello. Just, I couldn't help but say it. I mean, I when I saw that you were a creative strategist for so long, I was like, you know. 
um, some of these campaigns could probably use you, child, because the way they talk to our people is Listen, so it's, bad. It's just so, it, and it's so disheartening because you're just like, it's the year 2022. That's what I'm saying. Like, it is the Lord's you know? year of 2022. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? And why are we doing it? Why? <laughs> and, it, it's, and, it, and it's not like... It, like listening to someone deeply isn't like this, you know, crazy innovation. Right. Right. It's like, it's actually like the step one. It's it's like, if you listen to people, really listen to people, like what their needs are, like how, how they want to be represented. How they and want then to be take, seen. Yeah. How they want to be seen. Take that into account and then start the plan and don't start the plan without them. That's Do right. it with them. That's right. You know? And That's it's right. just, yeah. And I had definitely, cause I've, Primarily do work in the arts. Like I have worked at, you know, startups and I, you know, I worked at the National Foundation for the Arts and like I've done, I've done different things and I'm just like, like how, like, why are we still having the same conversations? You know, like, like, it's just like, it's really baffling to me. Yeah. Um, like the eight track. Like, why are we still listening to eight tracks? We have, we have really, really gone light years past that. But if you want to still pop that eight track in. Right, right. I guess that's no. on you. So let me ask you, because um, I hear that you're launching something very special. So tell us about it and tell us how it came about. Yes. So I am launching a partnership with Live Right, which is my publisher. And yes. they are absolutely wonderful. And we are doing a special literary series to help emerging writers, really focusing on Black women, on people of color, on queer folks, on non-binary folks. Like just everyone who needs and deserves a fair Mm -hmm. shot of publishing Mm. their books and telling their stories. And so I'm really excited to be in this position where we can work together and I can acquire stories and have them published in 2023. So we just announced it. It's it's been something I've been working towards for the last five years. I really wanted to be in the seat as an editor. I mean, I remember like reading books that were edited by Audre Lorde and yeah. Tony K. Bambara and, you know, Tony Morrison. And I read these things and I cherished them during my college years. Like, I would not be the person I am without that experience I had at Howard. And I wanted to be on the other side of that and making sure that people just had access and really demystifying what publishing looks like mm-hmm. and who has the ability to get a certain advance or mm-hmm. understand the access to an agent. Like, you know, what does your editor do? There's so many questions in my DMs about how do I do this? How do I do this? And I'm like, okay, I I don't know all the answers, but over the years I have been collecting. I've been getting all the mm-hmm. receipts and the notes yep. and I've been trying my best <laughs> to, you know, learn. Yep. Like I consider myself autodidactic. Like I'm going to learn. And um, to be in partnership with Live Right is just, it's a dream come true. And I absolutely love my editor, Gina. We're going to be doing it together. So yes. I'm kind I'm putting on my, like, I feel like I'm an editor and an apprentice at the same yes. time. Yes. <laughs> so, um. So if anyone is listening, emerging writers, you know, come through, submit, like more information will be coming. Uh, Follow Well Read Black Girls and learn more. We're we're, going to be doing this. We're going to be publishing two books a year starting next year. This makes me so happy. And can we just say a huge congratulations to you from the Lady Don't Take No family. This is a huge deal. We need way more of our people with a beautiful progressive vision for how we all progress together. And you, my friend, are laying the groundwork. So thank you for doing that. 
tell me about a black author that you're super excited about right now and why. Oh my gosh. Oh my, I can just like look behind me. I have so <laughs> many, so many, so many books. Um, oh well. I just was reading uh, Damaris Hill's book that I I will send this to you. It's called Breath Better Spent, and it's a poetry collection. And she is such, like, I feel like she is, she's a professor and a scholar, but she's like this avant-garde artist. Like, she just has a wonderful way of approaching poetry and looking at it from um, an intellectual viewpoint, of course, but something that's just like this unyielding imagination. Like, I feel like she takes so much risk on the page and she'll take you from one minute where, you know, she's writing about Whitney Houston and then the next minute she's talking about Frances Harper and it's just like everything in between. And she just understands the modes of Blackness in a really visceral way. And I'm a huge fan of poetry. I love to read it right before I go to bed. I like, when I need like a break from the day, I feel like I grab a poetry book to just like, it feels like a good reset, you know? she did such an incredible job with this book because it really is exploring the essence of Black girlhood and the stories that we tell ourselves and how we build our self-esteem and and, and the, the vision that we want for our future, especially when it feels like it's always being taken away from us and abused and ridiculed. Like, how do you bring yourself back to center and love yourself despite the world saying that you don't deserve anything? Like, how do you say, like, I am deserving. I am worthy. I will be self-determined and self-disciplined and I will make a world for myself that is beautiful and affirming. And and this, this, even the title, Breath Better Spent, mm. like it, it's, it's breath is better spent living, ex, you know, existing in a world that loves you, you know? Um, so I'm so grateful for her. I'm this really grateful amazing. for her. One last question for you. What is the best book that you have read in the last year? Oh my gosh. Well, the year just started. Um, <laughs> I, oh man. Oh, well, you know, Unbound. Toronto Burke. Hey. Listen, Toronto is a fabulous. She's a badass writer. Yes. Yes. Like really came out like because she is a public figure and she is, you know, very vocal. You pick Mm -hmm. up this book and you hear her voice. Mm -hmm. You hear it so clearly. And it's. It doesn't sound like. um self-congratulatory. It's not like, it, it just comes off really honest and vulnerable. And it takes you, it takes you into her world before the, you know, Me Too had this, it became a household name. Mm-hmm. So you know, like her beginnings, you know about her family, you know, you feel about, you feel everything that she experienced before she became this, this rise of the movement happened. And um, I think it's a, just a wonderful, wonderful memoir, and I'm really proud of her. You know, um, and the cover and so, is gorgeous. And the cover is gorgeous. It is like, stunning. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, so, so beautiful. And the, the title, "Unbound," yes. that like yes. word just like hits you. Oh. So I, I enjoyed reading it, and I had to really take my time with it because there were some times where I felt like I was like, oh, it was like a, it was painful because, like, you know, when you hear when you read something and you can just relate to. Um, just like they're lost, you know, like you, like yeah. you're grieving something with them as you're reading it. And it's just like, you know, we as black women deserve so much more. We deserve yes. so much more grace and tenderness and places where we can exist together and enjoy, you know? And so when, when you're reading her, the painful parts 
of her life. Like, I just, like, I just wept because I felt mm. like I was crying for all of us, mm-hmm. you know, like to witness that and for her to have the courage to write about it and share it with the world so others could be better and mm. learn from it and, and, and come out stronger. So I just, I, yeah, I really commend her for writing her story. And just like that, it's time for our weekly roundup of all the things Lady Just Ain't Gonna Do This Week. And here we go. Number one, conspiracy theories going conspiracy, but that doesn't excuse why we keep on killing Asian people. Now, in the news this week, we learned that 35-year-old Christina Yuna Lee was killed by a 25-year-old man in New York just weeks after 40-year-old Michelle Goh was pushed to her death on a subway track in Manhattan. Both news accounts described the assailants as possibly having a history of mental health issues. But it's no coincidence that hate crimes against the Asian diasporic community have been rising considerably since former President Donald Trump called COVID-19 the China virus. And while the mainstream media isn't discussing these tragic deaths as hate crimes, They absolutely should be. It's no secret that the political climate has created a social climate that is increasingly unsafe for, well, most of us. And I was yesterday's year old when I learned that more than 61% of these crimes have been committed against women. For more on how you can help fight back against anti-Asian violence, please check out AAPI Women Lead and support my sister, Dr. Connie Moon. We had her here on the show. And support their work to end all forms of violence against us. You can find them and their work at imreadymovement.org. Other things Lady just ain't gonna do this week. Well, the results are in, in San Francisco, and the San Francisco school board recall was wildly successful. Now, folks, in our December grab bag, someone asked a question about the recalls happening in San Francisco in particular, the San Francisco school board recall that was targeting three members of the board specifically. This whole thing was kind of a hot mess from top to bottom. The hyper-focus on changing school names rather than addressing systemic racism in the school district, the uproar itself over changing the school names in the first place, and the way some of the members even threw each other under the bus when they were being recalled. I mean, it was a lacha. But look, who suffers? The students, if we're being honest. I'm not even going to say I'm happy about this recall. I don't think it was necessary personally, and I think it created unnecessary space for unsavory forces to use these mechanisms in ways that are dangerous. But I am very interested in what happens next. And hopefully, whatever it is, It places students at the center and ensures that we're fighting back against any and all attempts to not teach students the complicated history of this country. We hope that it ensures that all students have the tools they need to succeed and ensures that all schools and teachers are resourced equitably. So we'll be keeping our eye on what's going on with this recall and the results. Let's dive into things that Lady loves this week. Well, There's only one on my list, and that is DJs and rooftops and warm nights. 
Now, Lady has been trying to do all the things before she says, see you later to Oakland. And one particularly lovely experience she had was on a rooftop under the moon and stars with a DJ who was playing the best music. And he was cute. And you know, you had a great time when you stay out way too late and you keep asking for just one more song. Lady loves those nights when you just feel alive. So more of that in 2022 and beyond. Please and thank you. And don't forget the tequila. (laughs) Okay, y'all. Well, you asked and so you shall receive another installation of Lady's Love Notes. So this week, as in past weeks, we are covering the trials and tribulations of being newly single and dating in your 40s. And I guess it's not that new anymore. It's like more than six months. Anyway, one day we're going to add the lovely parts, but we got to have some of those first. And I promise you when we do, I will add them to the mailbag. So let's get into it. This week on Ladies Love Notes, I want to talk about a particular phenomenon that I am noticing in men cishet men in particular, but it is not limited to them, child, because the patriarchy doesn't discriminate. It just changes forms. Anywho, I am noticing a fascinating pattern that I just need to address. It's the I'm an evolved man, meaning I don't call women females and I mostly respect women and I try not to mansplain or be a complete pig. And I also categorize women into two camps. Women you fuck, and women you marry. The women you fuck are the women you just don't give that much to. You might just hit it and quit it and you're honest with them about it so there's not much to see here, folks. They're not the women you want to settle down with or share your dreams with or maybe even the women you want to spend time with besides getting your dick sucked. And I'm sorry if that was crass, but for a lot of my life, my besties were cishet men and that's just a fact. So let's get into the women you marry, okay? So the women you marry are the women who you put on pedestals. You open doors for them and you pay for their meals and you walk on the street side of the sidewalk. You show them your sweet side, the one you don't share with your boys. You make love to her. You love her and you spend on her because that is one way you know how to show her you love her. Now these women, the women you marry, they are untouchable. They are to be placed in a glass case and admired and not sullied with the worldly issues of men. (sighs) Now, I am talking to a man like this, and before you judge, judge, judge me, just know there is a lot more to him than that. And also know that this challenge is not specific to him. I mean, I grew up with men like this, and I know men like this, and they are good men, but this is not a good dynamic. So this man that I'm talking to. He has these tendencies and it's not his fault, but it is his problem if you catch my drift. Anywho, let me give some context to what I'm about to say here so you fully understand why I'm about to say what I'm finna say next. So let me just start off by saying I'm queer. That means I do not subscribe to boxes or labels about who I do or don't, should or shouldn't have attractions to. And more than that, it means that I am open to building intimacy on many levels with many different genders and sexualities. Just not all at the same time. I'm not poly. I've been queer for a long ass time, but it's also been a long ass time since I dated a cishet man. A very, very long time. 
like nearly two decades. But back in the day, I used to. And let me tell you, dating cishet men in my 40s isn't really that different from dating cishet men in my 20s. And I feel a way about that. You know, sometimes I just approach the shit with like a curiosity, right? A curiosity of the kind where you're watching the science channel and you're high as fuck and you say to yourself, wow, this is fascinating. (laughs) But the other way I approach this shit is like what happens when I go to the mechanic because I need some particular things done. And the mechanic sees that I'm a woman and not a bad looking one at that. And he decides, one, I must not really know what I want or need. And two, that he's going to tell me what I need. But the problem with that is this. I don't need any of that shit you're telling me I need. I just want the shit I came for. You feel where I'm going here? Okay. Well, here we go a little farther. Now, one thing I really want for cishet men to have is space for emotional connection and intimacy that isn't based on these ridiculous tropes. But I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Now, anyhow, I was recently talking with this man who I am super into. He's going through some stuff, y'all, and it's all real stuff. He's been through a lot. He's holding a lot. And I think he's on the verge of some really big breakthroughs, but he is not quite there yet. In any case, we've been talking through some stuff, and I told him that I was here for him, like for real, for real. And that I feel like what gets in the way is that he treats me like I'm too delicate, to which he replied, you are. Now, I've been sitting with this because it stung. I mean, I know what he meant, and I suspect, I really suspect it has to do with this dynamic that I just laid out here. Women you fuck and women you marry. And it has all kinds of implications for the relationships that we build. Now, first of all, telling a woman she is too delicate is a no-no, child. So let's begin there. And as a black woman, no less, nigga, we don't have time or space to be delicate. But let's get to the larger issue, which is this. Could it be, perhaps, that it's not me who's too delicate, but maybe it's you who can't accept or perhaps think you don't deserve love? especially from a woman you know has the capacity to do so and do it well if I do say so myself. Now this nigga is really treating me like I'm a 75-year-old woman who's had 12 kids and 44 grandkids and now I've earned my rest and my pedestal. No, please don't. For the love of God and everything holy and literally on Mary Had a Little Lamb, just on some purely feminist shit, y'all need to quit this shit immediately. We are so much more complex than this, and you will have better relationships with women in general the sooner you get to understanding this and integrating it into your practice. On a relationship tip, but also on a friendship tip. Now, here's what's wrong in the mechanic example. When I come in and I know I need an oil change and I need to fix my tire, and you assume I don't know what an oil change is and that I'm too delicate to fix my own fucking tire— You got me fucked up. Black women have never been afforded pedestals. Those were only ever reserved for white women. And so to place black women on pedestals of your own making, that limits our ability and our agency to determine for ourselves not only whether or not we even want to be on the damn pedestal in the first place, and I know I don't, and I really prefer not to be, for real, for real, but also whether or not that's what we want from you in particular. 
Agency is the name of the game here, folks. And anything less than full agency for women is straight bullshit. And frankly, it's white supremacy at its worst. Now, this is exactly how white women became valued only for their reproductive labor. And it's literally how white women became white. And all other women who were not white, like black women, weren't seen as women. Not only were we fetishized for the kind of labor we were forced to do, you know, make babies and till fields, but our bodies were not seen as worthy of protection, nor were they seen as ours. Black people have never been afforded the opportunity to have agency over our own lives. So as black people, we need to double the fuck down on making sure that we practice self-determination. Not on some general-ass bullshit, but in our daily lives and especially in our relationships. So what I'm saying to you here is that Black women don't want your fucking pedestal. We want your love and your attention and your respect. And we want to be engaged as equals on all levels. We want you to know that we are completely the fuck capable of knowing what we want. No, we shouldn't have to deal with a quarter of the shit we deal with regularly, including your shit. But honey, when a black woman tells you I am here with you and I am here for you, you better believe she has turned it upside down, spun it around, taken the air pressure and had it appraised. Don't second guess us. We know you think you're being chivalrous, which some of you mistake as feminism. But while chivalry is a nice set of gestures, it can also be rooted in an assumption that women cannot protect ourselves and that we are too fucking feeble minded to know what we want and what we don't want. I know you fucking lying. So, yes, I'm at the mechanic to get my oil changed and my tire fixed. But newsflash, I can change my own oil. Seriously, I actually can. And I can change my own tire. No, seriously, I actually can. But I'm here at the mechanic because I want you to do it. And besides, I just got my nails done. But also, besides my most excellent nail art, and it is really good, shout out to Atomic Owl. Thank you, Masako. Aside from my most excellent nail art, please let Lady just say in this love note that when you're into someone, like, really into them, and you see that that person is in pain, it is more than excruciating not to be able to stand back to back with them while they fight their demons. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to fight your battles for you because I'm not. They're yours and they're yours alone. And I got my own fucking demons to fight, child. But I am saying that I will and can be here while you fight so that you have a soft place to rest and recharge so you can fight another day. Not because I have to, not because I don't know what I'm saying, but because that's what I want to do. And I have deemed you worthy of that. Now, of course, ultimately, the choice is yours. And if you choose to continue to put Lady in a glass case so that she can be preserved and without dust or dirt or grime, like a rose sprayed with chemicals that you get from those people who run up on you in restaurants selling roses to couples, that's your choice. But then own it as your choice. It ain't got nothing to do with lady being delicate. And perhaps in actuality, you're the one too delicate to let a woman who cares for you really and truly actually see you. And perhaps you're also too delicate to trust that she can see you and care for you because you are beautifully human, not in spite of it. 
Last thing to say here, in case this man is in fact listening, which he does sometimes, this message was 100% absolutely for you. No vague casting here, boo. And I'd say your name, but I don't want people all up in my business like that. But perhaps somebody out there can relate. Can I get a witness? It has been amazing having you here on the show today. We have to have you back again. There is so much more to talk about. But in the meantime, please tell our listeners how it is that they can connect with you on the socials. And we already talked about how you can join the book club. So if you missed that part, go ahead and rewind the pod. Tell us how we can find you on the socials. Yes, my Instagram is wellreadblackgirl. Same thing on Twitter. Please Google, sign up, visit our website, wellreadblackgirl.com. And... We have to have you on the show. Like, this, that's just like, a, like without question, I need you to come on. We'll do a whole talk about your book, your Let's life, your in. world. I, and I'm also a newly um, single person, so we can talk about that, too. Okay, can we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I feel another podcast coming. Uh, hello. <laughs> so hello. Sign about. me up. So that is it for Lady Don't Take No, but I will be back here every single Friday morning to accompany you where there's a good chance you might be commuting again. We appreciate you joining us. And please, let's keep the conversation going. Tell us what's on your mind. Tell us what you like. And tell us what you ain't going to take no more of. On Twitter, we are at Lady Take. On Insta, we're at Lady Don't Take No Pod. On Meta or Facebook or whatever the fuck it is now, child. We are at Lady Don't Take No Podcast by Alicia Garza. We post ways to do something about things you hear on this show all over our social media. So if we got you amped up today, check out the socials to find out how you can take action. Let's give a special shout out to Jahari Farrar for making sure the people get what they need from our socials. We appreciate you, Jahari. Please subscribe and write us a review and let the people know what you've heard here today. Ooh, Jesus. Okay, here we go. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our incredible theme is by Latirix. This pod is supported by the Black Futures Lab. And me, I'm your host, Alicia Garza. Remember, recalls are being used to move a right-wing agenda. And the way to avoid that is to be mindful of what you prioritize and how you get real things done for real people. Hate crimes against the Asian diaspora have not subsided but the public's attention has, and we cannot afford to let that happen. And in any relationship, self-determination and agency is the name of the game. So please stop telling women what we're too fucking delicate for. We've been holding a lot of shit for a lot of time. So give us our fucking propers. If we can give birth to human beings, we can care for you if we so choose. That's right. I said it. Because lady don't take no. Lady don't take no. She insists on respect the sister. Walk around like a woman is. She won't speak less of something worse. Singing don't play. The girl take herself so serious. People stare curious. She got a natural way. Her hips sway furious. Never luxurious. Love y'all.